Philippians chapter 3. And as you turn in there, I really do want you to know that I truly relish the opportunity to teach you the Word of God each and every week because He changes and transforms lives through it. What's better than getting to be a part of and play a role in seeing that transformation come about in people's lives? And I'm excited about the Word that He has for us tonight. So excited that I don't think that we can take it sitting down. So if you would, please stand with me. I know you just stood for the entire worship set, but please stand up with me again for the reading of God's Word tonight. And I'm actually going to come down here with you guys and read it tonight, just to make sure that everybody knows and understands that the Word of God is written on an equal level for everybody to receive it. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Paul writes to these believers and he says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. God, I thank you again for the opportunity to speak your word tonight. God, we pray that you would just bless this time, that you would anoint it. God, that people would be drawn to you in love and grace and mercy by the words that you're going to speak to us tonight from your holy and perfect word. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much for participating. The series is Mind Your Manners. Turn to somebody beside you and tell them to mind your manners. Philippians 1.27, Paul writes, basis of what we have uncovered this entire series of only let your manner of living... Be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And as we continue looking at what a life lived in a manner worthy of the gospel looks like, we've uncovered some things that should be evident. We've uncovered, one, that gospel people should be confident people. But we've also learned that gospel people should be humble people. And we come to this passage tonight finding something else that should be evident in our manner of living. Up to this point, Paul has been making what we could call demands of how believers are to live. Live with confidence. Live with boldness. Live with 
courage, be humble, and shine as lights in the world. And he had the authority Jesus had given him as an apostle to make those demands. But this part of his letter is different. And the structure of his writing begins to change a little bit. And we see him shift from making demands to making a declaration. He begins to voice all the things he has chosen to renounce or give up or abandon or refuse to pursue any longer. So with our time together, I want to focus on the subject of a declaration of renunciation. Everybody say renunciation. I know a little bit timid, right? Can we try it one more time? Renunciation. Yeah, a bunch of college scholars in here. You learned a big word tonight. A declaration of renunciation. A life lived in a manner worthy of the gospel is a life of renunciation. An active rejecting or pursuing things that do not produce Christ-likeness Within us. So, Paul, desiring that believers live in a manner worthy of their calling, gives this PSA to them, saying there are things that we now say no to pursuing in this life. This is a declaration I'm making and one that you as believers should be making as well. And from what Paul states here, we learn that a declaration of renunciation renounces all things carnal but reaches for all things Christ. So let's get a little more in-depth with that over the next few moments. This declaration, number one, renounces all things carnal. Go back and look in chapter 3 with me, and we'll start in verse 4, how Paul begins to quote-unquote brag about the lifestyle that he had and the things that he had accomplished or achieved throughout the course of his life. Life In verse 4 he says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. He's basically saying if anybody has a reason to brag about the things that they have accomplished or achieved in their life, I've got reason to brag. And then he begins to go into all the things that he has reason to brag about. If anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I've got more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to Zale, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I told you that as believers, living a manner of life worthy of the gospel is one of renunciation. It's saying no to the things of this world that we no longer pursue. It renounces all things Carnal. So in other words, we reject or we refuse to pursue the things that this world has to offer. And as Paul is writing, he goes into this resume describing all the things that he had achieved and accomplished with his life. Things that he described for himself as gaining. But when Jesus changed his life, all those things that he had once considered to be gain, he now saw them as Lost. In other words, he renounced all those former things that he used to pursue after, and he gave them up for the sake of knowing and pursuing Jesus. Paul found a new pursuit in his life, and it was much better than the old one that he had been chasing after. And as I looked at this list that he gives, I began to wonder just what exactly had Paul lost? What exactly 
was it that he had renounced for the sake of following Jesus? Because for me, maybe not for you, maybe some of y'all are just really great Bible scholars that have no trouble understanding Scripture whatsoever and all your studies. I know that's not the case, but when I look at Paul's list, I'm like, man, all the stuff that he's saying, he's talking about being a Hebrew of Hebrews, he's talking about being a Pharisee, he's talking about persecuting the church, he's talking about how he was from the people of Israel. What did he lose? What exactly did he lose? Well, I want to show you some of the things that Paul renounced for the sake of knowing Jesus. And to understand what he lost, you have to understand what he had gained. And the one thing that he had gained for sure was status. Paul, throughout the course of his life, had gained status. In verse 5, when he gives this description of how he was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, this was Paul's status. He wasn't just some nobody within his own people. He was raised to the letter of the law. He was part of God's chosen race of people here on the earth. He was of direct Hebrew Descent, he says he was from the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was the smallest tribe in all of the nation of Israel. But even though it was small, it was majorly significant. Benjamites were known to be warrior-like type people. And they had some notable people rise up from within their tribe to do amazing things for the glory of God. The first king that Israel ever had, King Saul, came from the tribe of Benjamin. Esther and Mordecai, I encourage you to go read the book of Esther sometime in the Old Testament. Esther and Mordecai were both from the tribe of Benjamin. And when the Jewish people were facing extermination before the hands of the king, Esther and Mordecai was who God raised up to put a stop to it. So Paul wasn't just some nobody. He had an immense status built behind his name. That was something that he had gained, but it wasn't just that he had gained status, he had also gained clout. In verse 5, he goes on to say, as to the law, I'm a Pharisee. You know what clout is? To have clout is to hold influence or power. And Paul had that. As a Pharisee, he was considered to be one of the most influential and powerful religious leaders of his time frame. He held influence. He held power over the people Around him, he was well known and he was climbing even higher in the spiritual ranks that he found himself within. If Paul was to have a social media account, he would be blue check mark verified, in other words. That's how much clout Paul had. So it's not just that he had gained status, he had gained clout for himself, but he had also gained a reputation. In verse 6, he says, As to zeal, a persecutor of the church, Paul had built a reputation for himself as being a strong persecutor of the church, which seemed like what he called zeal. And just in case you don't have a good understanding of what zeal is, for someone to have zeal for God, it means that they are passionate in the work that they are doing because they truly believe it to be defending God's honor. So when Paul was persecuting the church, when he was driving out Christians, when he was fighting against the name of Jesus, he really and truly thought that he was doing so, defending God's Honor. He had zeal about him. He had a passion and he had built this reputation that preceded him wherever he went. People trembled in fear when they heard that Paul was coming to the area that they were in because of the way that he had treated Christians. He had a reputation and it preceded him. 
And he took pride in that. He took pride in that. I feel like most of us in this room have probably been encouraged throughout the better part of our lives to build a good reputation for yourself. Paul had done that, or so he thought. And he took great pride in what he had gained, but he had also gained credentials. So he's got the status, he's got the clout, he's got the reputation, but he's also got the credentials. In verse 6, he says, As to righteousness under the law, blameless. His credentials in following the law that God handed down to Moses, in other words, having obedience to the T, he was blameless in it. Paul was that kid that literally never got in trouble. Y'all know those kind of people? Maybe you're that kind of person. That, that one kid, like all the way through elementary and junior high and high school, they never got in trouble, never got sent to the office. They never had to write sentences. They never had to stay after school or do detention or go to alternative school or ISS or whatever 500 different names everybody had for the kids that misbehaved in class and then had to be embarrassed in front of the entire school walking in a straight line with the shirts tucked in down the hallway because they couldn't act right in class. Paul wasn't that guy. He never disobeyed. He says, in regards to my relationship with the law, a man's righteousness, blameless. You could not point at Paul's life and find any bit of a smudge to say, man, this guy doesn't honor God. Hey, this guy doesn't follow the law. Hey, this guy doesn't have obedience. He followed it to the T. He had the credentials in the arena of man's righteousness. Paul was next level. All of these things were what Paul had gained in his life because it's exactly what the world system told him to go and get. And these things are no different today. You just need to see it modernized. So watch this. Paul pursued status for us as brand creation. The world tells you to go out and create a brand for yourself, to market yourself, to do whatever you have to do to make yourself available to the world around you. Paul pursued clout for us. It's influence. The world tells us today to go out and be an influencer, to build a following for yourself, to get that blue check mark verification besides your name. Paul pursued reputation for us. It's the name game, to go out and make a name for yourself, to go out and become recognizable amongst your peers, to build a reputation for yourself that precedes you wherever you may go. Paul pursued credential. For us, it's ladder climbing because I don't know if y'all realize this or not. If you haven't, you're going to at some point in time. The world casts based on credentials. And what I mean by that is this. The world looks at you and says, because you can do this, you can be that. Because you can do this, you can be that. Or because you can't do this, you can't be that. And because you can't do this, then you can be that. The world will cast you based off of your credentials. And so we go out and do whatever we can to climb ourselves up to the top of the ladder so that we can be whatever it is that we want to be. But all of these things, when Paul met Jesus, he became willing to lose. Now, he doesn't say it wasn't hard. He says, I have suffered the loss of all things. It was hard for Paul to look at all the things he had busted his butt to accomplish throughout the course of his life and give up all of those things in order to pursue Christ. So I'm not saying all these things that you have gained. When Jesus causes you to count them lost, I'm not saying that that's necessarily an easy thing to give up. Paul understood it was a difficult thing to let go, but he did it. He did it, listen, because he realized that Christ's worth far surpasses carnal worth. 
Jesus makes the things of our worldly system look like garbage. So we renounce creating our brand because we wear his brand. We renounce becoming influential because he makes us impactful. We renounce building a reputation because he's established our identity. We renounce earning credential because he credited us righteousness. I don't want that garbage. I don't need that garbage. And to put it in a way in which Paul understood it, I refuse to pursue refuse. The life lived in a manner worthy renounces all things worldly. I renounce what's carnal. A life lived in a manner worthy of the gospel renounces the things that are worldly and against it. But that's not all that that declaration makes. A declaration of renunciation says that I renounce all things carnal, but I reach for all things Christ. If you go back and look at the second half of verse 8, Paul says, For his sake, for the sake of Jesus, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Aren't you thankful that Christ Jesus made you his own? Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Can I, can I say this to somebody in here tonight? Underneath the blood of Jesus, you need to start forgetting what lies behind. And straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. A renounced life isn't about what you lose when you refuse the world. It's more about what you gain when you pursue Christ. Namely, Him. You gain Him. And what more could there be left desired to gain in this life other than Jesus? A life of renunciation reaches for all things Christ. After Paul gained Christ by believing in him for salvation, he began reaching after him. So we've seen the things that Paul renounced. But now let's take a peek at some of the things that he began to reach for. And one of those things was righteous living. In verse 9, he says, Not having a righteousness of my own, but that which comes through faith. Paul began to reach after true righteous living, which can only be done through faith in Jesus, to live in always right, to live in always honorable unto the Lord, to be holy as he is holy. In other words, to live a life that is set apart from the world around him. We as well should be reaching 
for righteousness. Those of us that live underneath the banner of salvation that Jesus Christ has hung over us should be with each and every day reaching after a righteous style of living. Reaching after a right manner of living. Seeking to live our lives in a way that is noticeably set apart from the world around us. You know one of the reasons why the church has such a small, insignificant impact in so many areas across the world is because the world can't tell where their line ends and ours begins. As born-again believers, it is our responsibility to start reaching after righteous living. But Paul also began to reach after knowing Jesus. I reach after knowing Jesus. In verse 10, he makes that declaration. I'm pursuing him. Why? That I may know him. So after Paul had trusted in Jesus, it became his pursuit to know Jesus, to develop and grow the relationship that he had now with his Savior, becoming like him in all areas of his life. In the same way, our lives should be marked by a desire to know Jesus more with each and every day. If I were to ask you before you were to go to bed tonight, do you know more of your Savior than you did before you started this day, what would your answer be? Because a believer that lives their manner in a life worthy of the calling is set upon knowing more intimately their Savior with each and every day that he provides them here on this earth. Paul was determined that with each and every day he was going to know more about the one who has saved his soul than he did when he woke up that morning. The same challenge is what I give to each and every one of us who have given our lives to Jesus' Lordship, know Him more. Know Him more. Reach after knowing Jesus more. But Paul began to reach after also personal progression. Verse 12, he says, Not that I have already obtained this, but I press on. Paul understood he had a responsibility to progress in his spirituality. To press on, to move forward, never growing satisfied in where he was in his maturity. And each of us has a responsibility to progress in your own spirituality. To press on. Listen, if this place is what your progress hinges on each and every week, it's not enough. It's not enough to spend just 45 minutes to an hour sitting in this place. Listening to me give you a message that I feel like God placed upon my heart to progress you spiritually. Now, I'm not trying to discourage you from coming. Obviously, we're all here for a reason. And we need to be here and take in the word that God has for us tonight. But your personal progression is something that has to take place each and every day you spend time in the word. Each and every day spend time in prayer. It is your responsibility to progress yourself personally. Too many believers are dependent upon the spiritual progression of other people around them to get them to the places that only God can bring them into. Reach for personal progression within your own life. But then Paul, as he was reaching for Christ, began to reach for his eternal purpose as well. In verse 14, he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize in Christ, Paul's life had a purpose to reach toward, a goal, a prize, as he put it, to be someone who was continually reaching forward to expand God's kingdom, 
Once again, it's not easy. And I understand that. Paul says, I press on, I strain towards this goal. I strain towards this prize. I know we got some gym rats in here. I know we got some dudes that like to spend time in the gym bulking up. That's fine. I like to spend my fair share of time in the gym as well. Some of y'all are thinking, Seeing pretty good personal progression in the gym now that you mention it, Dre. Well, we got some people that like to spend time in the gym, but you know you've got goals that you set for yourself, things that you want to attain to, progression that you want to see take place within your own body. Let me ask you, is it easy to attain to those goals? How many times do you find yourself straining Physically, underneath the weight you put upon yourself in the gym, trying to attain to a goal that you want to see yourself reach. Why are we not straining to expand the kingdom of God with the same amount, or if not more, effort? Paul says it's a strain, it's a push, but it's an eternal purpose. Each and every one of us in here that has been born again underneath Jesus, have an eternal purpose set upon your life to expand his kingdom. But I promise you, you're going to have to strain to get the job done. But the purpose is there. When you reach for Jesus, you realize that purpose is in place. And get this. He knows you're straining so he'll be your strengthening. Push forward. Reach for Jesus. We're in this phase right now with Graham where he'll point at and begin to reach for something that he wants. Does it all over the house. And if he can't reach it himself and you don't grab it for him as quickly as he believes you should, then he'll begin to scream, he'll begin to cry, he'll begin to kick and throw a fit and moan and all over the house because he can't reach it and you won't go and get it for him. And you think, well, you know, he's just being a baby. And that's what I thought the other day. He was throwing a fit in the house about something he was reaching for and pointing at it and he couldn't grab it and he fell out on the floor and threw a fit. And I told Ashley, I was like, look at him. I was like, Graham, stop being a baby. Tell him like 17 month old, stop being a baby. I'm like, stop being a baby, son. And that's true to an extent. Yeah, he's being a baby. But you know, what I realized by watching him the other day, it's that he also knows what he wants. And for him, there will be no satisfaction until he grabs hold of it. I want to reach for all things Christ in that same way. I want to have my desire so set upon reaching out for and grabbing hold of the things that he has in store and in place for my life that there will be no satisfaction until I take hold of it. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you've never been truly born again, you can reach for all the things in this world, but nothing will bring you satisfaction until you reach out and grab a hold of Jesus. A life lived in a manner worthy. 
exhibits the manner of renunciation, a declaration that I renounce all things carnal, but I reach for all things Christ. There's this old hymn that has its origins traced all the way back into African-American slavery where a people who had nothing for themselves other than a relationship with Jesus would sing a rendition of. And as I began to look at this old hymn, which I have heard countless times throughout the course of my life being raised inside a church, I began to realize that this is exactly what we're talking about tonight. This hymn in and of itself is a declaration of renunciation. And I want us to declare it tonight. And so I've asked Katie to help me out in this, and I want us to join in with her. And you may not be familiar with the song, but it's super easy, and the words will be on the screen. So listen to this declaration of renunciation. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. Come on, sing with us. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. But give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Give me Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for his glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through his word here at Life.